1: back for more fun and frivolity. Um, Chris, I've, I've figured out the secret to getting feedback on the show.
0: Is it having a relative of yours departs and uh, having a heartfelt uh, discussion remembrance of said relative?
1: Uh, no, we, we need to do those from now on at the beginning of the show so that uh, people don't click off during the plugs. No, no, Chris, it's when you accidentally mute your co-host and then upload the video. Or uh, audio.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just generally rude. You know how I feel about well, you muting well, me. You shouldn't be muting when, me
1: when I when I leave it to the semi professional such as yourself. All goes according to plan. When when you leave it in my hands, things happen because Jeff just wants to get done. But yes, I uh, I rendered and mixed it without clicking off mute on your track. Gave it to the powers that be, 30 seconds after uploading, here come the complaints. And I was just like, wow, I, I try and say something to needle conversation at least once during a show. Get nothing. Absolutely nothing. Oh, that's,
0: that's not always <laughs> true either. That's not always true either. Um, It, it, it could even be a one-off line just taken entirely out of context. So sometimes we get reaction on those. Oh, yes.
1: Well... <laughs> ratings talk this week
0: (laughs) yeah you know let's let's do ratings talk i'm looking forward to it it's always a it's a comforting time for me
1: (laughs) yeah um because it was i don't know i i i'm not saying the things people are thinking i'm saying i guess i don't know yeah, a lot to talk about. Let's start, uh, start though, with passing. Uh, James Kamala Harris passing away at the age of 80, I believe it was, or maybe 70. I thought he was 70. It's 70. You're right. I have a typo here. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. We're all right. Let's just stop the show now. I'm just going to this right, All right. Well,
0: you know, like, look, uh, Kamala was kind of a really cool gimmick at the heart of it. I, like, I'm aware of the the problems with Kamala, too, but... Mm-hmm. like. There's something to be said for wrestling characters like Street Fighter 2 or Mortal Kombat style characters. And Kamala, like, think about Kamala. <laughs> no,
1: it's Kamala. Kamala. Kamala is the vice presidential candidate. <laughs> yeah, I, I,
0: this is going to be a problem for me. Fortunately, we only had to do this the one week. Uh, it, like, like, This is the one, dude, the, the streams are completely <laughs> crossed this week. Kamala, like, th- think about Kamala on the roster of Street Fighter 2, and you could totally see him going up against Zongi for going up against E-Honda. And I think that that just makes for a classic professional wrestling character, a classic character that would, like, fit in a comic book It just... It evokes a, a fear of the unknown, and, like, I, I mean, yeah, he's really aggressive, and you want to see, like, could this dude, w- where he's from with, like, his very unique background or whatever, could he handle, you know, the sumo wrestler or Zongief or any of the other people from Street Fighter Two or Mortal Kombat or whoever, and I like that sort of stuff in terms of wrestling characters.
1: Yeah, it, it was one of those things where, like, especially you could see it taking form in Memphis. Because this was a Jerry Lawler creation, if if I remember correctly, and you know this is when you know your your second tier manager, I've been spanning the globe for somebody to take out Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant or Jerry the King Lawler or or the Von Eric Boys if you're Skandar Akbar and Devastation Incorporated, and and so you're you're bringing in these weird characters that you're pretending are from you know the the darkest. Parts yeah, of the from land. the deepest
0: depths, yeah, of yeah, like the heart of darkness the, sort of know, stuff. You missing
1: yeah. link. Uh, even going to the more uh, more serious quote unquote characters like uh, like your Abdullah the Butchers. You know, they they're there to be a heavy. They can only be a heavy for so long and draw, and then you either have to do something with them or they have to go to another territory. I I love these guys. They're 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 lost art.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, they very easily analogize to comic book villains or something. Well, um, well, um, and like, Here's the, the other the thing
1: th- that I, I was thinking of, and I was talking to to a friend about this. I go, you know, for all the problematic aspects of the character, and trust me, I, I you could never do something like this today, and you probably shouldn't have done something like this back then. Let's be honest. But at the end of the day, James Harris could collect his money, go home, go to the mall, go out to eat, and nobody's ever gonna bother him for being Kamala.
0: And he can—he made big money doing this too. He, he
1: was the fourth biggest draw for Hulk Hogan on on the tours there, behind Andre Orndorff and I believe the Big Boss Man. I think that's that's how it went. And that shocked me. It shocked me how popular he was. For me and my fandom, Kamala, I will always remember as the guy that they brought to the Great American Bash to really put over Magnum. And it was like a seven second match. Belly to belly, suplex, one, two, three, get out of there. And they built him up just for that squash. And you're kind of going, wait, this is a guy of some name. And Magnum T.A. could do that to him. And instantly Magnum T.A. is is a star. Was it was it a Starcade or was it a Bash? I can't remember. But it was oh, I don't
0: remember. But no, I, I mean the other thing is like he clearly, in terms of being a businessman, maximized a limited palette of wrestling moves and wrestling acumen. He made more money with fewer moves than nearly anyone in the business.
1: Oh, and when he was a babyface character, he did even less because there was that whole thing. Well, we're trying to teach this savage how to pin an opponent correctly, so he'd, like, he'd try and do the whole, uh... (laughs) Much like like our girl, uh, from the Funkadactyls, tried to pin a person with the stomach on the mat. No, you need to roll him over, you know? It was played for comedy and laughs, and, you know, ooh, is he gonna be able to trust the Von Ericks because, you know, he's been abused for so long by Friday or kimchi or whatever he'd be called in whatever territory. You know, it's, it's it's a gimmick that, uh... God, it had a lot of sustainability, too. It lasted a good 17, 18 years.
0: I saw him wrestle a match against Brian Danielson in 06.
1: Oh, that's right. No, it lasted longer than that, though. But, I mean, his peak was
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. No, but, I mean, like, even in that match, he didn't do much. You know, like, he didn't. granted he was at an advanced age, but you could go back and, like, look at his earlier stuff. This guy never did much. But he made a lot of money, and people liked the character, and he was able to work through a number of different generations. And, hey, man, like, there's nothing to be said for that. There really is. That's
1: what I love watching old wrestling. I love watching and looking for the guys who don't do anything but are still over, like... The aforementioned Jimmy Valiant, he comes out, he rakes a guy's back, he punches a guy in the throat with his thumb. <laughs> but boy, that he's... that
0: New York City song hits, and people go crazy for him. He did
1: nothing. He did absolutely he nothing. Do- he he just—it's—it's
0: it's like an entrance, and it, yeah. and it's more like he comes out, and he's having a quick party with everyone where he's—he is the feature. He gets in the ring. He does his three moves. He takes as few bumps, maybe no bumps, if possible, through the duration of his... He does no his... bumps
1: for squash matches. None whatsoever. Yeah.
0: None. None.
1: <laughs> that was the thing is, man, I'm not going out there doing any work. You know, 50 seconds of the boy from New York City by the Manhattan transfer, and I'm out of here. And then I'll, I'll save it for the big shows or the house shows on tour. I mean, I, I, I got nothing but respect for that. Um... We have our first set of releases from AEW, Jimmy Havoc, B Priestley, Sadie Gibbs, and it looks like T-Hawk and L Lineman from, uh, from the Chinese group, OWE are, uh, are gone from the roster page of AEW. Um, for me, I mean, the Jimmy Havoc thing speaks for itself. We've all heard about that. The big one for me was Sadie Gibbs, because they were really putting a lot into her at the beginning of AEW. And, uh, I believe all in where they were doing video packages of her and she did that one match showed off her gymnastic skills and then nothing and i was kind of shocked by that I know a lot of people are upset about b priestley me not so much um because she did a couple of matches and basically concussed I think she concussed rio and concussed or no and then she she walloped uh um dentist Britt Baker and you know and she's She's Will Ospreay's girlfriend, so you know you want to keep good tabs with people you may want to bring in, but who knows with Will and what's going on now. But um, yeah, and a lot of people love Linneman, thinks he can be a big star, thinks he should have been in the States, but it kind of shows, to me it kind of shows their strategy on building a roster was kind of, I mean, there are downsides to building an international roster in many ways.
0: Yeah. I liked Gibbs. I think out of all of them, Gibbs probably had the most potential.
1: Yeah, and it looked like they want but I I think she's out of wrestling to be honest with you. I took a look at her Twitter page and there's nothing about being a wrestler. There's a lot about there's a lot of hippy dippy stuff about being a life coach and I just go, "Oh. <laughs> that might have happened, but I think she's also British. I think that might have also been an issue."
0: Okay, yeah, 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 absolutely. That would affect things right now. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, these weren't, like, top-of-the-card people. No. Um, No, but uh, it it is what it is. I'm actually surprised that AEW hasn't had more cuts.
1: WWE shows will now be happening at the Amway Arena in Orlando. Uh, They've made allusions to it in SmackDown. It looks like SummerSlam's going to be there as well. Looks to me like they're going to try and do the NBA thing and put computerized fans... They want to make a bubble? Well... (laughs) <laughs> no, of course not. We won't, don't want to do that. But I think oh. you're going to have computer-generated crowds as opposed to watching uh, Eric Bogenhagen ham it up on the TV.
0: Dear God, but the computer-generated crowds are horrible. They're unsettling.
1: Yes, but it shows real fans from time to time from their Zoom accounts or whatever. Remember, they did this for the NFL draft as well, and it was just as creepy then, but... Um,
0: yeah, no, I, I don't like it. I don't I don't want to watch that. I, I I I would much rather just watch wrestling with the lights down.
1: I have this and
0: st- focus on the action in the ring.
1: I have this strong feeling that they're moving to this arena because they think people are tuning out because being in the PC seems too small-time.
0: That's not the issue. I know people that. People are tuning out because the shows are draggy and inconsistent
1: right but uh we'll get into other things that may just be may just be throwing things to the wall and seeing if it sticks um both roh and uh championship wrestling from hollywood are returning to tapings very very soon as well um everybody's gonna go back to some sort of modified business plan it looks like
0: interesting um when do you think wwe decides to chance touring
1: I don't think they do it for a while. I think they. Do, I don't. I don't, Let's put it this way: they're not going to be first. They'll be second, but they won't be first. They're never the leaders in anything. They're gonna. They're gonna put their toe in the water and see if they can do it. Why? Yeah. What do you think?
0: No, I. I think that that's right. I. I mean, I. I'm just like when you're saying it like this, it's making me go like, oh man, how long until Vince gets like the notion of let's take this show on the road. Mm-hmm. P- the people, the people, were starred for entertainment.
1: WWE filed the trademark several names. Uh, most are people on the roster or from NXT UK or NXT. But uh, of note amongst these is one, Jordan Devlin, who was on the list of potential people who might have been in trouble from uh, the speaking out scandal. So. I don't think they trademark his name if they're getting rid of him.
0: Maybe. I mean, th- they might trademark his name, though, so he doesn't go and wrestle as Jordan Devlin.
1: That could be it, too, but here are yeah, the names. I, I uh, mean,
0: but to your point, like, Velveteen Dream was back this week.
1: <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, Tony Neese, Drew Gulak, Jordan Devlin, Dexter Loomis, Pete Dunn, Mustache Mountain, James Drake, Zach Gibson, Indy Hartwell, Jake Atlas, Casey Catanzaro, Carrion Cross, Pretty Deadly, The Hunt, Into Share, Rinku, Sarov, Grizzled Young Veterans, Imperium, Gallus, and Legato Del Fantasma. We'll be in the WWE Copyright Library for a while. Uh, for ratings this week. AEW, ninth place, .32 in the eighteen to forty nine, seven hundred and ninety two thousand total. NXT did not chart they had a 0.16 for N- for them in th- in the prime demo and had 619,000 total.
0: Yeah, no I mean no matter how you want to slice it NXT is a product that is hurting from this move to Wednesday night. There's just no kidding around oh, it. A particular
1: note was last week where I guess AEW beat Raw in the demo, not in the totals, but in the demo. Um yeah, and yeah I,
0: I, I mean, but like they weren't particularly close in the totals, though, right? right? Right.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I I don't. Here, here's what's bugging me. I I don't know where. Okay, it was nine hundred fifty thousand last week for AEW. I am generally curious as who those hundred fifty thousand people are. Because it it's not from people from nxt it's just 150,000 people and i don't think eric bischoff moves that number that's the thing and it drives me insane where when i think about it, it's like okay that's a pretty big swing that's a significant portion of your viewership and and you know this is back to more normal numbers for me so
0: is this statistical noise from the way they do ratings gathering
1: i don't know is that
0: part of what's going on
1: I, I have no idea, but I think they're also, I
0: mean... It, it- I, I don't understand ratings gathering as a science. Like, I, I know it's it's not pulling, and I know that we're not in the era where they put, like, the little box in with your TV now, and, like, you're a Nielsen family. Oh, like, yeah, I you know think we're they still at-
1: do, I think. I still think they are have they, they still families? Are they
0: still doing the Nielsen family thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean... How how are they? How do they arrive at these numbers? Yeah, it's and and, or, and the reason I'm asking them, I'm like saying like, these are all fake numbers, man. I'm just saying like, depending on the methodology, we may need to stop looking at this week to week and look at it more like month to month.
1: Right, and you know if you're doing a one on one match between NXT and and AEW, yeah, sure, okay, I will declare and or AEW the winner. That's not a problem for me it's just one of those things where I'm I'm viewing this as wrestling being hot or cold and viewerships going up and down
0: I feel like that is when people are angry at us I think that's the fundamental thing that they're missing is that our take is not rah-rah NXT or rah-rah AEW or one is good or one is bad it's this like state of Interest in wrestling and you and I are trying to take a look at that and I think every indicator in terms of interest in wrestling is that it's down and so like there's a product AEW right now. That is establishing some market share in a dwindling market of wrestling fans. And like they're doing a good job at that and they're outperforming NXT. And NXT is cruising into their 30th takeover and it's a very cool product right now. And I don't mean cool as in rad, I mean cool as in like icy. Um, not a very hot product at all right now, and they've cannibalized a lot of the magic of what made NXT work in the earlier years to get to this point to put them head-to-head against AEW, so they changed who they were to go up against AEW, who stayed who they were, AEW prevailed, because that's usually what happens when you change and the other people actually just keep being who they are. Um, Like All of that being said, the overall health of interest in wrestling, it's down, and I think a lot of us, I was in this camp, thought that maybe COVID-19 and a smaller field of programming might get people to change the channel back to wrestling to come check it out, and not... Instead, this new kind of like reverse narrative that has formed it like, well, you know, everyone's ratings are down right now because the COVID-19 thing. A lot of us went into COVID-19 looking at it as an opportunity. And I see no reason why it couldn't have been, but for the fact that um, AEW, to a lesser extent, WWE to a major extent, really did not turn into the skid. They tried to fight it tooth and nail and pretend it wasn't happening.
1: Yeah, I can talk advertising all day because I used to be in advertising. Um <laughs> for a few That's what years. makes
0: you like this.
1: Well, I I like I like hearing people tell me <laughs> and I don't mean this in the mean way, but yes, I understand ratings means you can charge more for ads as a station. I get that. You know, but you got to tell me well, that. Well, you
0: should get that before you have a podcast, you jerk.
1: Yeah, I know. It's it's oh, that reminds me. We have an ad read. I forgot to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> see, see there you go
0: <laughs> you should know about that in particular yeah, before podcast you jerk
1: well i've been drinking uh but it's one of those things where you know yeah there, there are certain demos you want and things like that but advertisers are kind of dumb too if you think about it, because you can always tell <laughs> when you get like a rfp from a client and you look at it and you go this is what they want to do, and I just remember there, there. You remember that period of time? It was like three years ago, where Cadillac was trying to market themselves to like mid twenties urban professionals. <laughs> I'm just like, really, you're gonna try and make Cadillac cool to young people? Okay. Good I mean, it is that.
0: cool the young people. It's just they can't afford a Cadillac, yeah, exactly. so it's like, yeah,
1: oh, drive the Cadillac Escalade. It's like, no, <laughs> they're twenty-five. You okay. don't have that kind of money. But it wasn't even <laughs> afford the, the
0: Cadillac Escalade. It, was, it wasn't
1: even the Escalade because because you know that was big in the in rap culture and hip hop culture and things like that. It was like it was like the 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 Cadillac touring car that they were trying to market to to young good looking model hot people going to the club and stuff and you're just like no this isn't working this is this is an old person tank for grandma who can't stay in the right lane and whatnot I mean you know I, I'm looking at like I'm looking at the chart for ratings for uh for Wednesday night and I'm like you could put on. I was trying to think of what was the dumbest kind of show you could put on and just get massive ratings, and because Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is just killing everybody in the demo and in the watching. they like, you know, Discovery Zone presents fornicating fatties or whatever. You know, six hundred pound people find love, and, and they do those kinds of shows and they get huge hit. I mean, getting a ratings bump is is great but it just depends on what the client what they're where they want to advertise and things like that i understand the revenue aspects of it i'm very happy for aew yeah i mean
0: the other thing that stuck out to me when we were preparing for this show here and taking a look at numbers is you sent me the list of the top 50 original cable telecasts on wednesday here of this week um as you often do and what sticks out to me is you have reality television sports Fox News programming, uh, more reality television. Uh, Adam Devine's Shark Layer is that a singing thing? Um, I, I, <laughs> it, it, that's the guy from uh, Maroon Five, right?
1: Uh,
0: or is that Adam Levine? That's Adam Levine. That's Adam, I think Adam. That's Adam Levine. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. No. So like, this is all stuff that my parents, who are about the age of seventy or people who are parents would be watching. This is like 50 and up sort of demography television. And I think what that gets to is the fact that television is primarily not entirely obviously, but primarily a advertising tool for people over the age of let's say 45 just to kind of keep this, you know, more generic here. And television, therefore, the programming will always be focused on that. So like a lot of this obsession over the the 18 to 34 demographic, that's super important. I think that that as an axiom was more true in the past than it is now because more people are cutting the cord. And as time wears on, it will become increasingly less so. It will become increasingly about the old demo. Um, that 50 and up demo, the 50 plus demo, uh, that I think will be the major driver. Hmm.
1: (laughs) <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to find this ad read and I can't.
0: Uh, well, I'll add it I'm, in. Post. So you're not even gonna, you're not even going to react to my my insight here about age and television changing of mediums. I got like into Neil Postman style territory, and I can't get any backup <laughs> I'm from too you. Worried about doing you,
1: the ad read, right? I'm sorry. No, because you're
0: not prepared for the show. You want to have a podcast. You think you're going to be some sort of <laughs> ra- Johnny radio guy doing radio shows, but you don't even have your ad reads ready. No. So, what the hell do you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that the NBA regular season uh, in the P eighteen to thirty four did a point four zero. 40. Uh, so suck it, AEW with your 0. 018 one
1: eight. <laughs> don't do that. I don't want to do that. No, armed. they
0: say they say I don't have numbers, Jeff. They say they, they try to tell me I don't have numbers.
1: Don't don't be that guy. Don't read the comments. We'll do it, we'll do it on, uh, I'm
0: vamping because you don't have your damn ad. You're
1: right. I don't, I can't, I can't find it either. So it's going to be, well, and
0: I'm out of point. I'm out of points on this. uh, Unless you want to toss me another subject. I can keep this show moving. (laughs) I just need to know where I'm going.
1: Uh, (laughs) Oh, um, Uh, I'm
0: do, do I, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. We're just going to talk. Are
0: you, are you ready now? you ready now.
1: We're just gonna talk wrestling because I'm gonna have to edit the. Oh, you, you want to talk wrestling show. on the show? Yeah, uh, okay. let's start with AEW. I was very, very happy. Look, the uh, women's tag matches on on YouTube. Nothing really to write home about, but I'm very happy at Nicole Savoy being brought in, uh, AKA Little Swole, for those who did not know. But she was a comedy second banana in this match. But you could see the swagger. She just has so much personality and swag when she's out there. And, God, I'd love for them to sign her. She'd inst- if they could get past the fact that they really want Big Swole to be a star in this division. Because Nicole Savoy is a veteran who has been around and everybody knows who Nicole Savoy is. In women's wrestling, at least. And I think that's the, think that's the bias against signing her. Is that, oh, well, she's a known quality and we want new stars here, so we're not going to sign Nicole Savoy for a long time. But
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there is what we can refer to now as the warhorse trap where someone can be viewed in a certain light on the indies and then you try to bring it and put it in front of the television cameras and put it on TV and it just doesn't translate.
1: Yeah, but uh, they out of the four teams on this show, they were the best ones of them. Uh, not a particularly high bar per se, but uh, in the other match, it was more of a story match anyways. Uh, Yet, had Ivalese and Diamante uh, defeating Dasha Corre, a.k.a. Dasha Gonzalez, who was thrown into the tournament, teaming with Rachel Ellering. And I know people, there were some critics who were like, man, Dasha looked terrible in this. Dasha was this. Dasha wasn't too bad for the amount of ring experience she's had, both since being taken out of the PC training part to be made an announcer and then after her life getting cut. She did fine, I thought. But, um, yeah, it'd be an interesting story if they decide to continue to give her matches to see her finally get a win over somebody. That, That would be interesting to me.
0: Yeah, I like maybe having her on AEW Dark, doing a storyline on there first, kind of keeping her on a lower profile, a lower profile circuit, and make sure that she's comfortable um, going for longer lengths of time.
1: Happy that friend of the show, Heather Monroe, put on uh, AEW this week. I did a uh, After Buzz with her for I think a SmackDown a couple years ago. She's she's just a delight. I really like her a lot. I was happy that uh, was happy that she got some work. I hope she gets some more work in the future. Um, but this was Tag Team Appreciation Night, Chris. It sure was a lot of and tag
0: team matches. And I will say this, th- like the opening match with the Young Bucks and Evil Uno versus or Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. I thought that this was such a refreshing change of pace from the last several weeks of AEW crazy mayhem openers. This was just a tag team match and it was a good one.
1: Yeah. I I thought, uh, the tag team matches were all pretty good on this night. I think a couple of them went a little long to be honest with you, or at least one of them did. Um, maybe I'm thinking of the singles matches in, in turn. We had, uh, we had the two singles matches we had Cody and uh and and uh and oh SCU, Scorpio, Scorpio Sky Scorpio Sky god Jeff you can't drink before these shows uh, <laughs> Yeah Scorpio Sky I thought that was fine although it just seemed like it seemed like they passed over the big Scorpio Sky character building they had done to get to Jericho in favor of the Brody Lee thing and it was almost an afterthought cuz most of the work they did on the Sky character was on AEW Dark And I'm hoping they're not falling into this trap that everybody watches everything they do.
0: I think they are. I, I really, cause I only watch dynamite and I do sometimes get the sense that there's other stuff going on in the extras. And it's important storytelling that is not being included in the dynamite angles to make you feel connected to this stuff. Because Scorpio Sky coming in like doing that little break down the door entrance thing. I was like, that's weird. He's just going out to have a match that he's almost certainly going to lose to Cody.
1: Right, he did he did a very intense promo on uh, AEW Dark about this match. And and that's it's a foible that you know WWE does all the time where they do angles on social media and then they refer to it and they do the match on TV. Everything important needs to be on your television show. Everything important. Yeah, no, needs I, to I
0: absolutely agree. No, that should you, you can do extra stuff. You can build on stuff, you can give, you know, color to the lines, but the actual lines of the story you are trying to tell, uh that all needs to be on the main show.
1: I want to end with tag team appreciation. So uh MJF and this campaign. It's driving a little hard into the camp for me. For a top heel, I, I it, for a secondary heel, it, it's fine. For a top heel, I kind of want him to be a little bit more serious. To be honest with you,
0: yeah, no, it's it's so campy at this point that you don't want him to win the title. And I'm not saying like I don't want him to win the title in the the kayfabe sense. Of like I'm saying, I don't want him to win the title in this iteration of self.
1: Yeah, it's a little. I mean, I don't want to say it. Well. Like I and I the, did want
0: him to win the title. Yeah. I, I think he's the guy. No, I, I that, that's the that's the thing I really hate about this is I I think that MJF is the guy, but right now he's almost into Damian Sandowish sort of territory with this campaign stuff.
1: I, I liked the callback to the MJF. If you hadn't seen this, when he's walking down the hall and he shoves the guy into the into the uh in, into the wall and says, "Stay out of my shot." It's very similar to what Samoa Joe did to MJF when MJF was an extra on on a taping for WWE once. It's very, it's a callback. It's a nice callback. It's the kind of callbacks I kind of like. Um, But yeah, the whole campaign thing to be a new champion, it's very, it's very Drew Gulak spreadsheet
0: yeah, yeah. Th- there's that too. Little Drew Gulak on uh, the PowerPoint presentation. Little Damian Sandow, uh, intellectual savior of the masses, kind of thing going on here. And yeah, uh, it takes what should be the big angle for Moxley. You have Moxley, the grizzled, fighting, scrappy champion, and MJF, the privileged guy. Like, and he, MJF should be the AEW champion. I I think that he's the right guy. He's a good promo. But, like, I'm talking, like, the MJF and Wardlow standard iteration. He's MJF. He's the champion. He has a big heavy. Everyone think. I mean, it works even better once he's champion. You don't turn Wardlow until after that because you need to build this obvious what if of, like, well, you've never beaten Wardlow. And everyone needs to go like, well, yeah, Wardlow's going to have your number for sure. Um, no, he's a great character, but this campaign stuff, it's grating. Um, and the like little flourishes that they add on to it, all the, the charts and his little PowerPoint presentation, his little sexist comments to uh, his his Reba, I don't know. That, I mean, that's the other thing, is they do a lot of tropes. Like, you know, uh, MJF now has a Reba character.
1: <laughs> that's true the secret service stuff i you know i i can i can take it or leave it but uh yeah he, he's becoming a scenery chewing bad guy As yeah no
0: see and i could leave that stuff too i i don't if if he wanted to come out and cut promos with a campaign season sort of flavor about them that'd be one thing and that would be fine but when he actually tries to have full-on campaign events, that that's camp.
1: Yeah. If he was just doing, like, ads, like 30-second bumps or something like that, I, I think I think less would be more. Um,
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So do you have any thoughts on Jericho and Orange Cassidy?
0: Well, I, I, I'll tell you, this, this was the night that Orange Cassidy was finally made a star. That was that was the whole point of this narrative arc, right? I, that we were really making I believe him? so.
1: I'm 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 yeah. I'm scanning that for for sarcasm. I'm not sure.
0: The 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 second sentence, the that was the point of this whole narrative arc, was actually not sarcastic. The first sentence was deeply sarcastic.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I thought it was a rough match. I, I no, do.
0: it was no right. No, it's a rough match. This is a rough angle. They oh, this angle overstayed its welcome. Yeah, no, the match itself was just simply not a very good match. Right, um, and worst of all, Orange Cassidy. Okay, he beats Jericho, but he beats Jericho with little small package. yeah, yeah Ricky Steamboat style roll up thing. Um, and I like, it works for Ricky steamboat, but Ricky steam, like, I don't want to break down the differences between orange Cassidy and Ricky Steamboat. let's just say low. They are many, um, like this is not what orange Cassidy needed coming out of this. What he needed was a strong, decisive victory over Jericho. And instead, like he gets a banana peel finish to this little orange juice gimmick.
1: Yeah. He needed the clean, uh, decisive win. to me. I, I. I viewed this as the finish that you'd give Jungle Boy if he were going to beat Jericho, and you go, oh, my God, he's beating the champion or whatever.
0: Yeah, this is the finish that Jungle Boy should have gotten in that Mm -hmm. you-can't-last-15-minutes-with-me sort of match. Yeah. Um, Yeah, instead of just going the distance or whatever. Mm
1: -hmm. So, I'm going to end on a segment I liked. I did not love it, but I really, really liked it. The Tag Team Appreciation Night skit where... They're doing the uh, the passive aggressive, you know, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have a living. Well, that part wasn't passive aggressive. The passive aggressive part was, you know, kind of giving credence to the Bucks, and then the Bucks giving credence to FTR and, and the tension there. But they're passing this mic around. Ricky Morton still baby face fired daddy, will put over anybody at any time. Made my heart smile quite a bit. Yet Arn. You know, Arn's always going to have that kind of gruff respect type of notion where he says something and you believe it. So him putting over guys, but then they hand the mic to Tully. And Tully's got the fire still, Chris. Tully's still got that chip on his shoulder that I never got my due type of thing that he always had as a wrestler, where it's the kind of chip Miz should have. And he kind of showed sparks of that. During the the talking smack era, type of thing. You, it, it's it's from that guy who's not the not the top guy, but he's second on down, and he's trying to, as I like to say it, he's trying to play the rich kid, but the clothes don't quite fit. They're still off the rack from a expensive department store rather than being custom made. And Tully brought some energy to this thing, and I loved the Attack on the Rock and Roll Express. I loved the. Uh, the knee brace to the head, and the spike pile driver, and even the intrigue of of is Arn in on it? Because when uh, Ty Dillinger came out, or well, Sean Spears, sorry, when Sean Spears came out, Arn leaves the ring. I really do- it, it turned from sappy nostalgia to a really good angle.
0: Yeah, no, I thought that this was a little bit busy of an angle. I, I with. Arn, Tully, and Rock and Roll. A lot of people were talking. A lot of people were delivering the dialogue. But when we got to the meat and potatoes of this, which was the FTR turn, fine. I would have had... I mean, we've discussed this so at length. I would have had FTR do everything that they've done in their run thus far at half the speed that they've gone through all of these angles. Like, all of these these different people that they've wrestled, they would have wrestled for multiple matches. Uh, But... That's, uh, you know, a minor quibble. I like the pairing of them with the Rock and Roll Express. I I expect them to have a pretty good and entertaining nostalgic match with the Rock and Roll Express here. And I like the intrigue of, is Arn scared of Sean Spears and scared of Tully still? And that's why he's having this conflict? Or is he um, under the, or is he pairing back up with Tully?
1: As guys, so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair. From how it feels after getting a fresh cut to the way it's perfectly styled before going out. Oh, I'm crying right now. I am a bald man. I lost my hair in my early 20s. Started losing it in my late teens. Uh, We get into our 20s and 30s and we start noticing the first signs of hair loss. I, I was known as a guy in college who only wore a ball cap. And people didn't recognize me without a ball cap because I was so... I was so taken by women saying, I could never date a bald man. You know, I I was really self, self, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but uh, it's one of those things where it's just, it really took, took to heart for me. Um, You know, I tried certain treatments, but they were expensive at the time and I couldn't afford to keep it up once I left college. And once I was searching for a job out here in California, but uh, thankfully now there's keeps a simple and easy way to keep your hair. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. Best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have it. It's probably too late for me at this point. But you used to have to go to a doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. And then you had to get it filled out at a pharmacy. And somebody yells, hey, Baldy, come get your uh, come get your stuff to put on your head. They, they do drink. not
0: yell that at the pharmacy, uh, pal. I, I, they, do, they do not go, hey, Baldy. Come and get your bald pills, baldy guy.
1: But the best way to prevent hair loss, I didn't get the pills at the time, to prevent hair loss is to do something about while you still have hair left. Um, hey, Shine McBalderson, come <laughs> get your bald pills. <laughs> uh, at Keeps, you can visit your doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home, discreetly packaged. Make it easy and deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. The doctor visits really what the awkward part is, is like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when, when you're <laughs> I've got
0: these other patients to see today with real problems. And you're here with your no hair. Jeff, huh? Maybe
1: you can talk to him about girls, too, while you're there. No, mom. <laughs> but prevention is the key. You keep treat. Keeps treatments typically take between six, four to six months to see results. So it's important to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and more than 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start as low as just 10 bucks a month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month for free. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com shakeropes. To receive your first month of treatment for free, that's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Once again, K-E-E-P-S dot slash Shake Ropes. And start saving your hair for tomorrow, and we thank them for sponsoring Shake Them Ropes and shows for the Voice of a Wrestling Network across the platforms all month. So, the main roster, Asuka and Bayley are still Fantastic. That match on Raw was absolutely spectacular, I thought.
0: Like, if they didn't have an inconsistent long-term narrative arc, like, if they knew where they were going for the last four months, think about how good just that one angle could be. Because Sasha and Bailey are killing it. Asuka works in this babyface character. And the week-to-week stuff is very watchable. It's just a meandering story.
1: Yeah, and you fold into that, especially on this Raw show, this Retribution story and this Raw Underground story, which I am under the impression that this was just something thrown on TV to try and get water cooler talk. I think the Retribution angle was thrown on there just to say, oh, can you believe they're doing something like Antifa on WWE television? as opposed to having a long-term plan for it. I think it's much like the slaughter in Iraq angle. I really do. Um,
0: yeah, uh, this is a group that caused chaos and carnage, and they're hiding behind current events. Those are lines that I took from commentary here tonight. Yeah,
1: it's, it's one of those things, like, in all the writing uh, job things they say must have an ear for current events. I just think they're trying to take advantage of it. I don't think there's a big plan involved. I think they know who they want for this project now. Uh, although it seems to be changing because they had a few taller members of Retribution tonight. Uh, but I think it's just And they be- also just
0: had more members of yeah. Retribution they're, tonight. They're doubling.
1: They're recruiting. They're actually a, a legitimate faction that can recruit. So, hey- <laughs>
0: In some ways, they are, I guess in that sense, they're better than the Dark Order in the sense that there's a lot of them and they largely look like wrestlers or whatever. But in many other ways, this is a less good version of the early iteration of the Dark Order gimmick. And I. it's very obvious they have no sort of like long-term sense of who, who the major players are supposed to be on the WWE side to save the day from retribution.
1: It's going to be the Forgotten Sons.
0: Yeah, I, I, are you pulling for the Forgotten Sons? I, I mean, uh, your your guess is as good as mine. Or and, True as, patriots,
1: uh, true Americans, true red-blooded Americans coming to save the day against the forces of chaos that run our streets. <laughs>
0: I mean, I could see this maybe stretching all the way out to Survivor Series, where like the, the five members of Retribution or whatever go up against the five members of WWE to save the the company.
1: And Orton just RKO's them all. <laughs> yeah, them right. Yeah, red. yeah.
0: He, he, he goes five. Yeah, it's five zero or whatever. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, it's definitely five zero, or it's or it's four or it's four one, at some point. You know, what one of the guys gets gets like a quick pin on Chad Gable or something, because <laughs> it would be um, Chad Gable. His name is Shorty G. It would be it's Shorty, actually Shorty G. G. It's, it's
0: Shorty G. His name is Shorty G.
1: <laughs> and his one week heel turn, we'll get to that in a second.
0: Well, he's still well. Okay, now he's a conflicted semi heel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, depth. Uh, yeah. No. Oh no, God! It's, it's 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 like a deep lake.
1: The other thing on Raw of some note, the other horsemen of the of the original three of four that are on TV right now, Ric Flair doing an angle. I love Ric Flair, Chris. I am done with weepy crying. I just want to be one of the boys, Ric Flair. I am done with angles involving him. I am done with angles involving him and his daughter. I, I, I want to leave the memories alone, and I can't because every time I think he's gone away to rest in retirement and out of the spotlight, he comes back as part of the WWE, and the WWE never even liked Ric Flair for what Ric Flair was.
0: Yeah, so they don't really present an interesting version of Ric Flair. It's just like nostalgia machine Ric Flair, and... This
1: post ninety important- two Ric Flair, he's Ric Flair. After I mean, for even WWE, because even WWE when he was considered great in WWE, that 91, 92 Rumble run, right? Of yeah, his, yeah, yeah. Right. He yeah, yeah. That even, run was he wasn't good. even Ric Flair then. He wasn't allowed to do you know, the rich guy type thing. He was he was brought in there to quote-unquote be the real world champion and then eventually hopefully to lose to Hogan. And then they never really cashed in on the Hogan flair program. He was there kind of to be like a, like a almost a, an avatar for that kind of character. And they never really got into the flair character all that much. They treated him quite fine. I mean, the, the macho man angle, you know, the tag team with Razor, all those things were, were well done, but they never really rick flair wasn't going in there to be the guy he was going in there to be the guy to put over the guy and it shone through and then he comes back to wcw and he's doing you know especially in late stage nitro flair the crazy old man shtick where he's taking off his clothes and elbow dropping the jacket And, you know, just saying the early
0: versions of those promos were awesome. The later ones where it became a cover band of the early versions of those promos were not so fun.
1: Yeah. And then when he came back to WWE, he was the stockholder. He was the president who they sold it to and then eventually became cover band Ric Flair. There's no other way to put it where he was the older guy still dressing in the pink robe, you know, trying to get one last pop and alimony money and whatever else he needed. And it was just—it was getting more and more sad. And now we're in, now we're into weepy old. Do you still remember me and love me, Ric Flair? And I'm just like I, where he's just everybody's associated with. It's either Hunter or or Randy. Goes, oh man, they're the best. They're the best. And and he's a corporate shill in so many ways, which breaks my heart. Oh man, nobody does it better than Vince McMahon. Nobody does it better than WWE. They're the best. They're the because I and I understand why he has to play the game because you have family that works for them, and at the time, you had Arn, who was his best friend, working for them, but it's just one of those things where I watch, and I go, Ugh. and then you get the dramatic moment, and is Randy gonna punt him, and you get these geeks in Retribution playing with the lights, and it's fine cover, but it's still, you're trying to build this emotional moment, and you have the AV club playing with the lights and sound, I just... There was so much wrong It, it with was this. too
0: cute, right? Like, no, it's a fine magician's trick to cover, except that really the whole point of that spot for it to work is for us to have the heinous moment where Randy Orton's boot kicks 71-year-old Ric Flair's head and Flair is laid out. Like, we need to see that moment. We actually mm-hmm. need to see that spot. And so trying to cut it out like this is not a uh, hitchcock and psycho moment right you know where you just sort of imply the violence that you actually need to see it in this case
1: yeah and i think they just i don't think he's cleared to do that i don't
0: think he's cleared to do that which is why they did it and 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 i get that and i respect that but then you it really begs the question why do the angle
1: anything else from raw that's uh sticking in your craw
0: Uh, I hated the commercial break leading into the second half of that flare segment. That was uh, really brutal. Um, Oh, Raw Underground uh, continues to be. It's really something, Jeff.
1: What, you don't like Shayna Baszler beating up two people who obviously have never had a fight in their lives?
0: Uh, Yeah, there was that. But, (laughs) you know, I'll tell you what. My boy Riddick Strong. Uh, I am picking up the flame oh, from Rob Moss, McCarron. Riddick Moss. R- yeah, Riddick. Yeah, Riddick Moss. See, I'm a huge fan. Uh, Riddick Moss. He he had a good little thingy. I, I he's they, a great do they call athlete. the matches underground. Do they call them thingies?
1: He's he's the guy that always excels in the NXT combos that they have. Or combines? Not com- combos are pretzels and cheese. Combines are uh, athletic competitions. I do one and not the other. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, like Bianca Belair is like the combine monster for, for the women. Rick Moss is the combine monster for NXT. I mean, he is legitimately a great athlete who was reduced to, you know, Mojo Rawley's friend who turned on him and became 24 7 champ and then went the way of the dodo. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he, I mean, look, if we, we say this over and over on this show, if used correctly, But they never want to do that. So, you know, Rick Moss is going to have to learn something about his personality. He's going to have to learn to dance, or he's going to have to learn to sing or tell jokes or dress like a clown or juggle or spin plates, and then he'll get over.
0: Yeah, I think the important thing to remember for WWE main roster, and increasingly so in NXT, is uh, this is a theater program at the end of the day you you're you're out there performing a character
1: yeah you're out there to make people smile um, yeah
0: uh, they're into that they like that
1: yeah there wasn't a lot i mean i i didn't not enjoy raw for the most part i thought the wrestling was pretty good but it's just these angles are just over like i'm
0: done with the street profits and andrade there's and Zelina. No, i there's no, i guess okay. Zelina didn't poison be or uh, didn't poison uh What's his name? Uh, oh, Montez.
1: Montez. Yeah. I, God. So it's either Retribution or it's Dawkins. Right? Oh,
0: God. Yeah. Yeah, it could be Dawkins, couldn't it?
1: Yeah, it could be. We're Oh, we're going to break him up now because Montez is the Shawn Michaels. Uh, I hope not. But <laughs> what else are they going to do? There's no reason Bianca Belair should be having that much trouble with Zelina Vega in a one-on-one match, though. That That killed me. I was like, she should be killing this woman.
0: Yeah, no that should have that should have been a blowout. Yes. Yeah, it really should have been, especially with the way they presented Bianca Belair, and they even use the term "powerhouse" when they talk about her, which is you know what they say when they're talking about people like Nia Jax or Tamina, um, you know the the strong women. So yeah, I know this really should have been a blowout.
1: So going over to SmackDown, very very interesting in some ways to me, Chris. If you're gonna have referees for a battle royale... Or Battle Royal, depending on how you say it. Should they be there to basically say, no, you broke the rules? This person can go back into the ring and into the match because of chicanery?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, like, that—that that is the point <laughs> of having officials. I,
1: uh, I just, I'm watching that. I'm going, you're right there, ref. You see somebody who's already been eliminated has eliminated somebody else. Let them back in. Nope, can't do that.
0: Uh, see i thought you could uh, i wwe goes back and forth on this i thought people who were eliminated from the match can eliminate people
1: uh if it's good for an angle there will be a call on there saying it was unfair and so and so is not eliminated but they do it for storyline purposes they're just never consistent about it it's another one of their inconsistencies in storytelling
0: yeah, no, it's it's a big problem.
1: That said, sure. we got to see Sasha and Bailey's ring-announcing skills, which were... <laughs> I laughed at it. I don't know if anybody they else... They continue
0: to it. be... No, they continue to be really, really entertaining. And, I, like, the only thing I have to say about this is the only way it could be better right now is if they had a solid long-term angle that, like, they knew where they were going from week to week. Because uh, they, they're killing what they have to work with It's just like they can't plant seeds in foreshadow and do all the fun stuff of characterization because they don't know where they're going.
1: Now, I liked the reveal of Asuka and how they did that, where she was on the card and it wasn't expected and they read it that way. The problem with that is Shayna Baszler was already announced for this match and she didn't get an entrance at all. And I think she's a major part of the raw angle in there. And I I thought that was, that was a bad thing for me. I I just, it's one of those things where, where look, you're either going to have to give everybody an entrance and then do the reveal, or you're going to have to do that reveal first thing. And then everybody else comes out into the ring because the people you announce, I mean, it's, it's fine as it was written. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, you know, rule of threes type thing, almost with, uh, you know, you have the iconics, you have Lacey Evans, and you, or you have Tegan and, and uh, Shotzi, and then you have Lacey Evans. And then on the fourth one, you do the reveal. But I, I just think it gives short shrift to Shayna and the character she does. Although, <laughs> one of the long-running storylines in this women's division, you have three of them right now. You have, Bailey can't win a one-on-one match against Asuka. Sasha Banks has never successfully defended her title uh, on a pay-per-view. And then Shayna Baszler always loses because she's going for this damn choke. (laughs) It happened again, Chris. She got pulled up from the top and dumped. And it always happens in a a battle royal for some reason. She can't win these things. I I don't know. I love the thought of having two Oscar matches on a card. I hope they don't make it a three-way. I hope they make it. Or two out of three, with the first fall being for Raw, or the second for being SmackDown. I want to see Sasha Bailey, and, or not Sasha Bailey, I want to see Sasha Asuka and Bailey Asuka, but they didn't take a lot of care of, of Shayna here.
0: No, they didn't. And this seems to be a character that Vince does not have his teeth sunk into, narratively speaking. Uh, they, sometimes You can tell when he's really interested in a new toy and he really wants to present someone as a killer, and Shayna should have that mystique. But especially because she's sitting in this weird, not really baby face, but sort of tweener role right now, I, I just don't think they're finding, finding the thing that makes Shayna Baszler click.
1: All right, talked about Shorty G. I'm... Is it Seamus' broke kicks that turn him baby face and heel?
0: <laughs> I think what he's trying to do now is an homage to the big show. And he wants to turn face and heel at more times in one year than the big show did.
1: Well, we just and Also, what is Seamus? Because I thought Seamus was going back and forth, too, because he put him up against. Uh, are they just going to do the rugged individualist thing with him where he's like, he just doesn't like people. So he'll fight Baron Corbin if he wants.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that this is a... All of this stuff that's happening with Corbin and Shorty G and Sheamus is all very, very forgettable stuff.
1: Grand Metalik pinned Nakamura clean. Go back Boy. to 2013, me, and I would have never said that ever happened.
0: Yeah, that was that's an interesting little moment in time here. Uh, Grand Metalik's a guy who I think has been criminally underused, oh, yeah. uh, but... You know, so is Lucha Nakamura, Party. if you it,
1: think about it, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that. Well, okay, uh, I don't know. I I think that Grand Metal League showed up with his working boots on. I think uh, Shinsuke Nakamura showed up and understood how the WWE game is played. And uh, I, you know, I like. I'll, I'll I'll cut to the chase. I don't think Nakamura has turned in the Nakamura level matches that we expected him to turn in during his run here in wwe
1: if you were not a fan of tna then you are unaware of the greatness of a character named joseph park esquire who was on tna comedy purposes one of the better things they've done there's about three or four things that i've really loved about tna and joseph park esquire aka abyss is one of them we kind of had joseph park's debut here on smackdown tonight Playing the uh, statistician. I believe he was an accountant or statistician for AJ Styles and his uh, (laughs) phenomenal intercontinental statistics system, AKA Piss. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, always, always happy to see the artist formerly known as Abyss on my TV. I think he's great. His facials are phenomenal. Um, No, his
0: facials are amazing, right? Like, like he has, like, classic. Comedy timing facials.
1: There were two great comedy moments on this SmackDown. There was that when he was like he was like when he uh he said something and 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 uh the 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 character just reacts with that look of horror, like how can you possibly say that right now? It was there was that and at the beginning of this women's battle royale, you have all these women lined up across from each other except for Tamina. And they both all run at each other. Tamina just kinda throws her hands up and goes what the hell? <laughs> it was one of the better things. Go seek those out. But yeah, no, I I liked these segments. AJ seems to be having a blast with him when he works with his friends. Um, so and I I like AJ as kind of I like cocky heel AJ more than I like inspiring babyface AJ.
0: Yeah, I think inspiring babyface AJ. There's just not a lot to that character. Um, especially like he's better in WWE. Like he's just very generic Mm -hmm. as inspiring babyface AJ. Whereas I think when AJ during that New Japan run really was able to tap into his heelness and really kind of get that cocky heel thing going, that was good. And I, I don't is Joe Park around? Like, is he gonna be a regular feature of this? Do we know?
1: I do not know, but he is a producer with WWE now.
0: No, if Joe Parks is a regular feature of this AJ title run, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think he's a really fun guy for AJ to play off of.
1: Well, especially like you know when he's yelling at him about the permanent marker on the board. I mean, if you want a camp character, you know AJ's at least gonna. God, this is this could go MJF territory though too.
0: Right, no, he could be essentially like a Wardlow type guy, like, but like with with the, a comedy element. Yeah, to
1: no, it. I'm just thinking we might be hypocrites for liking one and not liking the other.
0: I, well, I don't dis. Well, okay, so. They're accomplishing different things. Okay. So I, I get that. So like, let's, let's break down this. Okay. You guys are hypocrites criticism that you're, you're like, I'm anticipating Twitter. <laughs> no. So like, let, let's get into it. Let's preempt Twitter then. Okay. So AJ Styles is what champion?
1: He's the intercontinental champion.
0: And is he currently on a trajectory to become the universal champion or the top of the card champion equivalent?
1: No. So you're making a very good point.
0: Yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, and that's, that's one of the big differences. Also, AJ Styles is not doing a full-on campaign thing. Like, the statistics thing is stupid. However, that being said, um, I, I would say to these same people who hypothetically exist that are out there who think we're hypocrites, if you like Jericho's demo god stuff, um then AJ Styles is I'm doing statistics stuff uh I I mean you could argue that maybe that's a joking on the square thing about the ratings talk
1: anything else from the main roster
0: um uh, the Antifa angle is terrible um It's really bad, Chris. It, I mean, they opened the
1: bathroom and someone was in there. I was no. They, the worst hard. part, though,
0: Jeff, is they locked that poor man in the bathroom with his own poop.
1: He should have locked the door in the first place.
0: <laughs> but then he was. Lo- I, I'm glad. I'm glad that the talent got back there and they mercifully freed that man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we oh don't forget about wee woo, wee woo. We gotta talk about the fiend. <laughs> Oh,
1: look, I I don't mind a story where if you face the Fiend, you get changed because it seems to be something that they've been doing for a while. See Seth Rollins, see Daniel Bryan, uh, the Braun promo, I the the, the cadence of the promo, I, I truly hate the WWE promo style, where it 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 starts with with kind of the qualifier of they say, you know, <laughs> it's it's like when Seth was going an eye for an eye, an eye for an eye, and I kept yelling a tooth for a tooth, a tooth for a tooth. But you know, they they have the cliche meter on high for the beginning of the promo, and then they find it's almost like they're avoiding the promo in the first place.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that that's a, a fair way of putting it. And then we get into the Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman relationship, which
1: Alexa making chicken salad out of chicken crap here. I thought, I thought I, she she she's good.
0: doing. Yeah, no, right. Like, like there's there's absolutely nothing to work with in terms of their background other than that fun little tag angle from when they were a mixed tag on um, Facebook. But that, on Facebook, right, and those were fun little matches. Those were actually, like, that was an entertaining little format that they came up with, um, but it was not even included in WWE canon on the main roster at the time.
1: Did somebody ask us if they were doing face-off?
0: Yeah. Someone asked us if, like, there was a character switch, like, if The Fiend and Braun... Like a Freaky Bron-
1: Friday thing where they jumped, uh, where they jumped
0: jump bodies? bodies. Yeah, like, and so at the end, it was actually So
1: Braun stuck. So Brawn stuck in the
0: television the fiend. show? <laughs> no, 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 So, like, uh, when he summons the fiend, like, uh, essentially at the end there, so you have the fiend standing over Alexa. What uh, was being asked is, was that really Brawn trapped in the fiend's body? And was the fiend really Brawn in the Titan Tron? Like when Nick Cage and uh, okay, so John answer, Travolta swap face. So I might believe no. I think so. <laughs> I think what's happening is that I thought I was going to say I thought Alexa was possessed, but that doesn't even feel right now. Um, I think what's happening is a dumb angle.
1: Yeah, because I, I was kind of hoping I was hoping we'd see glitter, glitter, sparkle, Alexa Bliss from NXT come back and just Nikki Cross looking at her going, what the hell happened to you?
0: and the nikki alexa dynamic going into this uh also they just dumped
1: it they dumped a storyline they do
0: du- no, right and it's what makes it's what makes watching this product right now so frustrating to me um was actually uh have you seen the show z nation
1: no is that kind of based on uh the zombie <laughs> thing yeah,
0: it's zombie apocalypse stuff, right? So I, I was bored. I decided that I needed to have something on while I was doing housework or whatever. and Z Nation has become that like TV crap that's on the TV while I'm doing other stuff. Um the problem with that show is the exact same problem that that happens with WWE where they keep changing the rules on stuff. and so nothing matters. Um, and with you know, Nikki and Alexa, like they just dropped this angle, so why why did I really want to invest in them in the first place? And what was the point of me getting involved in them as friends for the last six to eight months?
1: Right. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I I, I think they've just drawn focus. I think it's like, Well, Nikki's done and we gotta heat up Alexa, so let's just drop that story in the first place and do something with Alexa here. That that's what it felt like to me.
0: Yeah, but like the Alexa thing came out of left field, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying too. And whereas the Nikki and Alexa split is a time honored wrestling arc, you could even say it's a little bit stale, but whatever. Sometimes stale works or, you know, trope works. Um, they dropped that for just an out of right field sort of angle. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Braun Alexa. That was a thing. Remember
1: that? Speaking of time tested tropes, that's a very good segue. I will defend, and I know a lot of people were negative on this on, on the Twitterverse when watching NXT, I thought that the fireball spot with Keith Lee was very well done. I'm not going to justify the story necessarily, but as a special effect, look, I grew up in the 80s wherein Jerry Lawler, Eddie Gilbert, Jim Cornette... They were all trying to light flash paper to get a fireball going. And it looked hokey as hell at the time, but it was treated as death. So I thought the fact that this went off without a hitch, I thought that was spectacular, Chris. I I,
0: It looked good. I'm just like like, I'm wondering. I get that Karrion Cross is a goofy character. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not not on board with Karrion Cross or Scarlet. But Put that all to the side and just think of it as a, as a special effect production in a television show. Damn, that was one of the better looking fireball spots I've ever seen That's in my life. That's
1: what I was thinking too. I watched that. I went, "Wow, that was smooth." That was, I mean, and I, you know, I've been wa- watching fireball angles for years, and I. Right. Just yeah. Was- no, I've
0: seen a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, Though that was a really good looking one, and and they can look like shit.
1: Yeah. I'm. Look. I. I think part of the reason people are tuning out at NXT is because of this, you know, heavy on the supernatural type of gimmick type of thing. And I, I think that I also have come to the conclusion that Karrion Cross, if he gets on the main roster, will be over like Rover. I think this is a main roster gimmick. It's, you know, you got the blonde oh, this, this, hanging out. This, if they can
0: ever get back in front of crowds again, like, I think that that entrance is going to kill in front of yes. large audiences yes. if the gimmick can last to that point. And
1: horny guys are going to love Scarlett. We can say it out loud, okay? I, I, You know, it's made for that. It's made for guys to go gaga over Scarlett and think Karrion Cross is a badass, much like, you know, a Goldberg-type character, just an ass-kicker. And people are going to be excited that first time he's on the main roster. They're going to go, oh, crap, here he comes when he destroys Apollo Crews or... Mustafa Ali or Ricochet or whoever, wh- whoever Don't forget your, about
0: Cedric Alexander. Whoever
1: your darling is that he's <laughs> gonna die at the hands of Karrion Cross. But they don't want but NXT was kind of built on almost being a territory style wrestling promotion. And so this kind of crap turns off a lot of people who loved what NXT used to be. I mean, there's that
0: like the entrance is just so much bigger. Mm-hmm. than any other entrance that anybody else gets. That it doesn't... The entrance does not fit this territory. And when Karrion Cross comes out, it's like... It is... It's a big WrestleMania entrance in the middle of a house show, and then we return back to house show entrances. Although like, I... I, what I think of last week is, uh, or what I think of from last week is, he comes out, he does his big entrance, and then Djokovic has to come out and like, just walk through all of that fog.
1: Yeah, and Danny Birch had to do the same this week.
0: It, yeah, no, it's goofy. It makes whoever has to walk out through it look ridiculous.
1: Follow that, no, and then. Well, it, yeah, well, and <laughs> if they like
0: make fun of the smoke thing, then you take away from the mystique exactly. of carrying cross. You, so you can't do that either. So it, it's a really. It's a terrible in-between, and I'm not... Like, this is the stripped-down version of the entrance. Oh, what was that? I remember, like, th- there was more to this entrance at one point.
1: Yeah, everybody asked Yeah, oh, no, she she used to lip-sync all the way she down. She used
0: to lip-sync. There was, like, more lights. There was, like, a black-and-white filter thing when they were coming out. Like, there was a lot of stuff going on at one point.
1: Yeah, I was trying to... Th- and I remembered what I was going to say. It was during the AEW segment. Jim Ross absolutely burying like hard cells of interaction and things like that, where it's like, uh, or Tony's doing the hype for the, uh, for the hashtag that you enter and you win a chance for a zoom meeting. And, uh, and Jim Ross is basically saying, and a new car. It's like, no, Jim, you're sp- Jim. You cannot be making fun of certain things during even prepping
0: on picture and picture. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I hate picture and picture. I have, there have been a number of times where I've had to rewatch wrestling shows because of picture in picture, uh, cause I will fall asleep while I'm watching it. Like it is bad. It, it, I can't stay focused on the action that's in the ring. It like, I just, now I have to just skip past it. It's completely lost time for me, but I don't need commentary taking it out of picture in picture in the sense that it's not doing the brand any favor, when Ross is observing that picture, and picture sucks. If yeah. they're gonna do something about it, do something about it. If they're not gonna do something about it, just act like, oh, we're going to picture and picture now.
1: You have a role to play, and you need to play that role and not break character. And that's, you know, to to bring it back to NXT, that's, you know, you can't comment on the entrance in any way, otherwise, and unless it's in awe, man, can you believe that entrance? You have to put it over, otherwise, otherwise it's gonna be like uh, the boogeyman debut in OVW where Santino basically cost Jim Cornette his job because Cornette tried to fight him because Santino laughed at it the whole time. And, And it's like, no, you have to play your part. Um, Velveteen dreams back. (laughs)
0: yeah hey well you know i was gonna ask you who's this uh up-and-coming guy uh kushida tell me anything you know about Uh, him he
1: was a very famous super junior uh very famous junior heavyweight uh oh man well i'm
0: excited to see what he does here on the nxt decided to take his
1: chances in america um
0: rolling the dice
1: and uh and has been treated exactly like a japanese talent who comes to wwe
0: with the notable exception of Asuka, who I think is the like only success story.
1: It took Asuka a while, though.
0: I No, I know. I know. I know. But I was just thinking about it, especially when I was watching Kushida this week. I was like, wow, it's really amazing that Asuka... Is actually certifiably what you could call a success story at this point, given the terrible trajectory of some other Japanese talent that have come over here and tried their chances. And quite, and we thought they were can't miss good, you know, blue chip stock.
1: And quite frankly, it took a rib putting her on commentary to really put the rocket on her. That's that's the thing. No, it's true. They kept her streak. They kept her streak solid until Charlotte broke it. And then they built her up again to put her in the three way with Becky and Charlotte again to put over supposedly Charlotte but then Becky got over. And then and then it became the COVID era and it's like, well, let's let's send let's send, uh, send Asuka out there to do commentary because she's so funny doing the screaming and stuff and it just got over. And it's like, okay, great. And now she's again a killer, which I love. Um call me but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I yeah, it, it's it's they found it by accident rather than by, than by plan and the things that they plan to do. There's always a logical faux pas in there. I mean, the, the Daniel Bryan plan to get you over by beating you a lot. It, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that, but they think it does. So um, sorry. Where were we? Oh, Velveteen. Dream. Uh, I,
0: I mean, I guess on that, I would just say they're going to do what they want to do. And it's almost like success is the success of getting a character over as in in by over by over. I mean, not just with support among wrestling fans, although that's important, but over more broadly as in like, you know, the type of wrestler that sports athletes like to quote. The type of wrestler that comedians will reference and that sort of thing. Um, they don't. They don't really focus on that as an outcome.
1: Well, that and they also don't like ass kickers. They only like having one ass kicker, and it has to be your top guy or or woman. There can't be more than one ass kicker in there because then then nobody's an ass kicker kind of thing. That's that's kind of what they think. But you know, on the flip side, you take. A look, I love this Io Shirai promo, Chris. I oh, yeah. No, I thought
0: this was great. Was, I, I thought this was it really it well handled. It put her
1: over as a badass. It told Dakota Kai's complete story uh, from turn to whatever. It explains why they're not friends, even though they're kind of on the same side for war games, so to speak. And I thought the Dakota Kai promo before that was pretty good. But the Io Shirai one st- stood out to me. And Io Shirai's over in NXT because she's a badass you know, and she's respected by those NXT fans. I, but I just... even
0: that required a faux pas of the heel turn. Yes. Which was ill-advised. It didn't really take. Yeah. Um, like Santos Escobar. I I mean, I think he's great. You know, I, I like him as an in-ring talent. I, this, this legato de Fantasma thing does nothing for me. Um, although I did like this Tyler Breeze match.
1: It's a great gimmick. The, uh, the legato del fantasma thing it's just they have to like like we said there's especially when deconstructing these things and when you're writing screenplays and stories or doing improv shows so to speak it, you ha- you have a you've you've made something true in the world okay what does this mean now what you have to give it some depth you have to give it that second second step in there. And they have not done that with this Legato Del Fantasma thing. And that's what's, it's just, it's just a marketing slogan. Yeah, like
0: why does anyone covet the cruiserweight title? Well, why example? do they covet the
1: cruiserweight title? Why do they take the masks off per se? Let, let's do a little bit more in depth on that. Why are these two other guys drawn to this type of thing? You know, what are they getting out of it? How, how are they getting better by being associated with, but with Corno you have all these stories to tell, but it's you just... don't want to
0: have the Lucha House Party necessarily down there, but they seem like they actually are an important component in getting over Legado del Fantasma.
1: I I would do them as an anti-Lucha House Party story, right? Yeah, no, exactly.
0: No, I I so I think it's important to actually have Calisto, um, the new sh- newly shredded Calisto, go up. And, yeah, yeah, no, he looks great. Um, going up against uh, Iho Del Fantasma here, but I think um, you can Santos hold that off bar. for
1: a while while you tell the story. Sure.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I just I think like it's the big problem of know where you're going with the story and then write it backwards. And um, right now, so much of this stuff is just being written forward and being written from week to week.
1: Uh, so Chris Velveteen dreams back.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, he actually <laughs> stepped on Kushida's big return. Like my my favorite thing is like tonight was supposed to be the big return of Kushida, but then they had question mark, question mark, question mark also in the main event. So Kushida makes his big return and they kind of get over putting that a commentary and then Velveteen dream is back.
1: Yeah, I think the company needed to put out a statement. I, I just do. I mean, look, I know not a lot of people know about Velveteen Dream, but I think more people know than they think people know. I just, it, it it's, if he's been cleared of all charges, we need to know that, I think.
0: Yeah, no, right. If he's been cleared, I, I want to know that. I think, in, and we need to know that for his sake, because yeah. it's not, if he's been cleared of these things, then it shouldn't be hanging over his head. Conversely... If he has not been cleared of these things, I guess I don't understand why he's making his big re-debut.
1: Yeah. Um, And in a a more perfect world, in a pro-wrestling world, in a pro-wrestling territory, Cameron Grimes would probably be my B-level top heel. I love this guy. I love... I love delusional heels, and he is absolutely delusional, and I love him. And I, I would
0: tone him down just a little bit. I, I would tone him down j- just a little. But, like, no, like, the idea that he just thinks he is the coolest thing since sliced bread, that, you know, he's the hottest thing this side of the sun. And he has a killer like,
1: finisher, I, which helps, too.
0: Yeah, like, and, and the cave Also, he does get big clutch wins, Like, they've found a way to kind of deliver... He delivers the goods enough that he can sort of stroke his own ego bigger than it needs to be. Like, they've done a nice job managing this character with wins and losses. A
1: bit. But see, he's a guy that you can't put in big matches. You need to have him just do squashes up until your pay-per-view, and then you put him in a big match. He wins one, he loses one here, but then you build him back up with squash matches because you continue to have him get beat by champions and stuff. He doesn't feel as special. No, I, I
0: agree. you got This is why you got to get him these... The, the other building wins are these wins in these multi-man matches where he can say he's got a win over these people, but it's not a clean win.
1: But he reminds me so much of... I guess, for me, it would be 1985-era Jimmy Garvin where he's just coming out there, playing playing with his hair, kissing his squeeze, and just, 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 I'm going to beat Wahoo McDaniel in that Indian strap match, you know, and saying the vaguely racist things that Jimmy Garvin would say during that thing. But he was always just so delusional and just didn't care about anything except the fight and kissing his woman that's all he care and and i just love the <laughs> i don't even know if you need to tone it down because for wwe this is what they do and this is how you get over is by by being a little bit too big by half but just the 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 balls on this guy to be doing that kind of promo after just getting his ass beat the previous week i love it i want more chris and the underappreciated thing I have kind of, I haven't quite turned the corner yet, but I like it. I like the interplay between Aaliyah and Mercedes Martinez in this Robert Stone brand.
0: So they actually have settled in on the Mercedes is just using the Robert Stone brand to her own devices. But
1: they've also settled in on Aaliyah knows Mercedes is way out of her league and yes. looks to her for approval at every given moment. Like they're walking down the ramp and she acts cocky for a moment and then she takes a peek at Mercedes to make sure Mercedes approves of it. Um I thought they had a pretty good double team maneuver there with the uh with the cutter slash uh wheelbarrow move. I thought that yes, was kind Yes, that neat.
0: looked good. Yeah, no, that was that was good leadership in the tag stuff. And I even liked you want to talk about beats in terms of dynamics and showing and not telling. I liked the part where Mercedes was getting the jump on. Uh, who was she getting the jump on? She was getting the jump on somebody. And Aaliyah comes in to help, and initially Mercedes just pushes her out of the way.
1: Yeah, that was... Uh, actually, no, that was uh, Rhea Ripley, when Rhea Ripley came in. And I Rhea co-
0: Ripley, that's and right. I
1: dug that, because I liked, I liked that Mercedes was just there for the fight, and she was waiting for Rhea to stop that stupid stomping on the ramp and just come in here let's fight and she wasn't backing down like a coward she was like the hell with this I'll fight you right now and I'm into that because you know I love Mercedes Martinez everybody knows this but I thought that was pretty well I don't care for Casey Catanzaro (laughs) I just think it looks like a child is in there getting her butt kicked all the time I,
0: yeah, I feel like there's a way for her to work. There, there is a way for her to work. They're close um, to it.
1: They're th- they're almost there. I yes, think. And,
0: and I like. I, I've said before. I'll say again. I like her in a tag act. Uh, I don't think Caden Carter is the right pairing. I see Caden is more of a single star, um, and I see Casey being paired more with someone like Raquel Gonzalez, that, someone yes, who's real the, big. The,
1: the David Goliath team.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, uh, you know, the but the, if you, the the butcher and the blade, if you will. <laughs> oh, you okay? We uh, need Casey I, with a
1: t- monocle—that's what we need right now.
0: This is tangential, but I I liked um the butcher and the blades little um talk about like how they like the road wars or whatever. I found Kenny Omega and Adam Page's weird little blurb. Um, where, like, Omega's like, my favorite team is the Young Bucks, and then Paige, equally as weird, is like, I think it should be us, which both are, like, really weird answers, right? Like, those are both <laughs> the wrong answers. Like, you're supposed to answer a team from history that that is good, that is universally agreed. Like, a contemporary team, let alone your own, like, work contemporaries, is, is like, weird and, like, oddly sycophantic, and then it's also weird and... um Self-obsessed to say your favorite tag team is yourself.
1: (laughs) No, I, I, I'm I'll back off my statement for a second because it looks like, I mean, with the matching gear, it looks like Lacey Lane and Casey Catanzaro at least being teased as a team of some point. I just want them to do more team stuff to compensate for the lack of size versus doing their individual gymnastic stuff to show us how good they are at gymnastics. It was, it was a problem I kind of had, if you remember that Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel team in WWE, which I thought could have been outstanding, but they were just kind of there to do the things that they did as opposed to, to be a real team. Like if, if, if Caden and Casey were doing like tag, 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 double tandem, team, double and, team, double and team. And just double team.
0: series of tandem. No, yes. right. Like, like they, they, they should be all tempo in tandem
1: like they should be doing what this AEW women's tag team tournament should have been looking for in my estimation and having, having that one team that just really gels as a team all of a sudden and is doing all sorts of double team moves as opposed to, you know, you kind of get close to that with the Swole family. I think they want that kind of chemistry for Allie and Brandy. I don't see it necessarily, but yeah, to, you know, they're the smaller, you know, they, they could be the rock and roll express slash fantastics of the women's tag division across all brands. You could bring in Sasha and Bayley and give them an upset win, per se. That's where
0: I see Casey Cat role in the wrestling ecosystem ultimately being, is like being the Ricky Morton person who gets the heat and you build up to the person for the big tag. And you also intermittently have her do little Rey mysterio light style spots
1: yeah I think they're relying too much on timing spots and that's the thing yeah no
0: I agree right now they certainly are
1: I don't want timing spots I don't because those always get messed up I want double team spots that look like damage type of thing and and them doing them together and just continually doing kind of the southern tag you know isolate an opponent and if you really want to get them over you give them a squash match and you have them do the Southern tag style where they isolate a person and they do all these tag team moves and they just keep tagging in and tagging in and you, you get, yeah, the-
0: yeah. They would actually be huge beneficiaries of a series of squash matches where they're just annihilating heel opponents.
1: Yeah. And, and,
0: and they're annihilating heel opponents with tempo.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be anybody bring That's when you bring in your local competitors or whatever, or someone not on TV, the mistake they always make is they bring someone of name value in there.
0: No, yeah, they- no, I'm, I'm talking about like yeah, faceless, faceless heels, faceless yeah. heels,
1: six months out of wrestling school. And we're going to, we're yeah. going to give you a chance to, all you got to do is sell because yeah, right.
0: Yeah. All they're being asked to do is sell and you. And you maybe maybe have like a veteran person paired with them and they, they don't ever even get tagged in unless something really goes crazy. Um, like, yeah, no re- real easy stuff. Um, but yeah, no. It's just got to be. It, it, there, there needs to be more establishing work done. And but that, you know, and that's how yeah. you build
1: those two up as a threat.
0: Yes, as exactly. opposed
1: to you know the power of Mercedes and the speed of Aaliyah or whatever. It's what differentiates them. And, and then them.
0: feebly trying to talk up, feebly trying to talk up uh, this team on their way to the ring.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's they don't oh, look, they're friends, they're hugging each other, whatever. No, make them, you know, you can do, you can do, it's a the theme of this show almost now. You can do things with people if you take the time to think about it and what would make them better to make them look better on TV. That's all you got to do, and it...
0: Yeah, no, you have control of the pencil. You just actually have to think about why you're doing this. Almost anything is possible in, in creative world creation, Um if you allow enough time for it audiences are willing to go with you in many 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 directions yeah they'll do it but you have to convince people of it and just set the table know why you're going there
1: yeah i mean we'll all go along for the story that's the weird thing is we, we will all go along for the story but um yeah uh anything else uh from from all these things uh next week we get Gargano and uh, and Ridge Holland I'm kind of interested This is now.
0: interesting. I what I thought was interesting with this is it's to me foreshadowing that Carrier and Cross is going over here cuz we're already turning Ridge Holland face.
1: Yeah, um some reports coming out of the tapings Gargano got hurt during the match and they kind of had to redo some things. So that'll be interesting, interesting. as well uh yeah i'm i don't know i think they're doing a lot more gray area type characters now i think that's going to be the goal
0: yeah yeah but i do see i mean i see the heating up of rich holland into the babyface column as a way of foreshadowing that we are moving into the carrying cross era of nxt
1: i'm fine with that but the problem is Again. I don't know that I am.
0: I don't know that I am because I think Kerry Cross creates real booking issues at the top of the card. I like. I like him. I think he's. I think he's a good. I don't wrestler. think it's
1: time to take the belt off of Keith Lee when you've just. Established I completely
0: him. disagree. No, and I think it's so stupid that they're going into Takeover 30 and you have this opportunity to do something like really unprecedented and build the whole show around Keith Lee and him defending two titles, and instead like they've done this.
1: Yeah, unless the plan is to bring Keith Lee up and just beat him here. And then it's like, well, he was in NXT. Now he's in the big leagues. Let's see what he can do.
0: Oh, yeah. And if that's the case, then Takeover 30 might be a very auspicious show. Um, have... The start of the Carrying Cross era and uh, the cannibalization of the Keith Lee push.
1: Oh, that's the other thing. What did you think of the. Uh, und- <laughs> see, it's weird because you think the Undisputed Era might be turning babyface because of the whole Pat McAfee thing. And they come in here and they just beat the crap out of. Uh... Out of Drake Maverick.
0: Yeah, well, okay, but then also Pat McAfee comes out and says like I'm going to destroy all of NXT. So yeah. here I'm going to throw this down at you, Pat McAfee, leader of Antifa. <laughs> they're they're mean, all they're all working for him. You mean of yes. retribution
1: or of Antifa? I, no,
0: of both. Of both.
1: We're going to send them to Portland and try and burn down a courthouse. Yeah,
0: yeah, they they're going to. They, I hope that they set up their own autonomous zone. So I hope that they oh, raw like, underground becomes the retribution autonomous zone. I hope it's in catering. Zone. I hope they set up the retribution
1: <laughs> yeah. zone, uh, the retribution autonomous zone, or Raz in yeah, the back.
0: Raz, yeah, hell yeah, yeah. I'm into this. They, they're gonna set up uh, their
1: own government. It's probably yeah. gonna be a plutocratic <laughs> oligarchy of some kind. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'm based on I'm very... Marxism and.
1: <laughs> 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 will there be cops allowed the, if the if the Mountie came back there would he be allowed in catering there
0: there are a lot of open questions here no um so I, I think to get us back to no uh, don't get undisputed. us back
1: <laughs> we've already just no we, we can show. say okay
0: so Pat McAfee is the leader of Antifa slash retribution mm-hmm. um and he d- comes in the next week and he demands that there's gonna be big changes in Raw Underground that it's uh it needs regulation. And um, maybe he implements it. <laughs> like he puts, uh, he makes the strippers dress more modestly.
1: They become right to censor?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Why not? Let's turn retribution slash Antiva into right to censor. <laughs> that would be such
1: a Vince move. Let's take this hard left gimmick.
0: Yeah, and just merge it with the hard make right. Make them
1: conservative Christian guys. <laughs> <Yeah. types. laughs> like I'm the into Jesus it. Jesus freaks either, so.
0: No, no. Uh, so he, he, yeah. So anyways, and then he'll um, come out and feud
1: with God again. Well, Vince, God, that uh, angle.
0: Oh God, that that angle. <laughs> that, yeah, that angle in particular. So anyways, um, yeah, no, uh, undisputed and McAfee. Like it's just such a mess because Cole is not likable, McAfee is not likable, and n- neither one of their goals are particularly admirable. Right? Like, is it? I I guess. And I guess McAfee's now the heel, um, but Cole is not sympathetic in the slightest. No,
1: <laughs> it's so, uh, I don't know, I don't know, it's so against the, the, the rule book for having celebrities fight actual workers that it's so weird. Because The only other time they really healed a celebrity who wasn't already a heel, like Dennis Rodman, was the uh, Floyd Mayweather thing because it was supposed to be Bi- it was supposed to be big show was supposed to be picking on Floyd but then they let then they let Floyd break his nose and all of a sudden Floyd's the creep I just it it's I'm gonna be very interested in next Saturday let's put it that way
0: yeah no next Saturday is gonna be an interesting show I I just I think I'm interested for all the wrong reasons
1: yeah I, I I'm still I'm still not into NXT takeovers with empty houses. I think that's a bad thing. Uh, they should. Just yeah, no, I,
0: I agree on that, but like, I, I I think, okay, so the empty houses are part of the problem, but the bigger problem is that the NXT energy, the, and the energy that made NXT NXT, it's just gone. Part of that's the having the full sale audience, but even they got to uh, up on their own farts at a certain point. But part of that was the hour format, and now that's gone in favor of a two-hour format. Part of that is the writing team that used to write this stuff out two, three months in advance, and this seemed to be a real kind of coherent plan of where we were going from TakeOver to TakeOver, um, and they were booking with that next TakeOver clearly in focus. And uh, the way they're doing NXT now, they're, they are overexposing some people. Uh, they are making the product more WWE main roster like in a way that people don't necessarily like or respond to. Um, and to that point, th- that was the stuff that made NXT interesting. It was the stuff that made it feel like an actual second brand inside of WWE's family of brands here. Um, you could watch the main roster stuff or you could watch NXT and you could kind of choose your own adventure. It was like Wrestling for the wrestling fans. And now it's a third WWE main roster program.
1: Yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, probably late Friday. Might be posted early Saturday with our takeover preview. I'd like to thank Keeps for sponsoring us this week. You can follow me at Crap Game13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can just follow the show for our uploads, even if I mistake the audio and have to redo it again at shake them ropes Chris plug your other projects
0: so I'm like having slight writers block on this new episode don't worry about the government so I think I'm gonna tape an episode of high wattage to get the stress out here get the mojo moving get the energy flowing so be on the lookout for that In the Shake Them Ropes Patreon. Don't worry about the government. can be found at dontworry.tv on Patreon at patreon.com slash D-W-A-T-G. And on Spotify and Stitcher. So go, subscribe, review, say wonderful things about the show. Or don't. Or don't. Just, you know, be yourself. I
1: have to ask, are you running out of Eric Watt's material?
0: I there's a lot of matches i it's just like i have to go and i have to kind of remember if i've watched that match or not and eventually i need to start writing down which matches i've watched because i've just been watching stuff haphazardly
1: like can you do like can you change to like pat tanaka
0: patanaka would be a fun one uh the original owner of the goldberg theme The original owner of the Goldberg theme.